Welcome back to What's Your Real, brought to you by 6-5 Films and Pepper's Patch. Today we're sitting down with Brady Bissett. He's a filmmaker and photographer based out of Florida. Uh, he's a good friend of ours. This episode, we talked about all sorts of stuff. It was a long one. We talked about um, different techniques, camera techniques, and how we like to tell stories and all that. And we even gave ourselves a little challenge at the end, which should be a lot of fun. So anyway, super great conversation. Let's sit down with Brady. Well, Brady, welcome. Thank you for doing this, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm super. It. I'm super stoked because you are our first guest who is not a musician. Well, which I can is awesome. if you want me to. I've got a guitar <laughs> somewhere back there I can play for you guys. Well, no, it's it's awesome because you can tell because you're so nicely lit compared to if you saw our last podcast, you couldn't see the guy talking for half the time. Um, well. If you would have seen me five minutes before this, it wouldn't have been so nice and pleasant, but <laughs> we, we got we got the job done. That's okay. Well, dude, are you in Vermont right now? You're in Vermont. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I could see your house if I go outside and look at <laughs> the field. Oh, really? Yeah. I can oh, always right hear on. you riding around and stuff, but yeah, I'm in Vermont at my parents' house. That's Well, so just funny. don't call any noise complaints because we've <laughs> had a few of those in the last couple oh, of weeks, really? which is a whole nother saga that I'm totally not going to get into. Um, I, I finally put two and two together. I was like, wait a second. I know a guy that dirt bikes over there. Wait a second. It's probably Cam. <laughs> That's me, so, bro. Yeah, we rip yeah, all around. I'm here. So, dude, uh, what's the deal? You live in Florida typically? Yeah. but Okay. So, you went to school there. Yes. So, I went to school there in 2015. I went down to FAU, Florida Atlantic University, and... Um, spent a couple of years there and I got my associate's degree. And from there, I just decided that I didn't want to do college that much anymore. And I really wanted to stick with the photo side of things. Uh, stayed down there after college. A couple of years later, photo turned into video. And now I'm just kind of fully immersed in everything. Yeah, so I, I've, I, I've had a lot of fun kind of watching you um, go from photo to video. Well, thank and you I feel for like... being one of the few fans out there watching that <laughs> hey, <transition. man. laughs> I appreciate it. I'm here for you, bro. But what do you, uh, what, I, what I find interesting and what I love is you started with the vlog game. All right. Yes. I have not seen a vlog out of you in a very long time. There's kind of a reason for that. What's I got that? To, I got to a point where I liked vlogging and vlogging, it's a nice transition, a nice segue into video from photo because you can do whatever the heck you want. And it doesn't matter because there's no rules to it. So that was kind of like the the video for dummies transition that I did there. And I did it for a little while and it was fun. And it got me thinking more video wise. But then I got to a point where I realized that nobody cares about me because I'm not famous. <laughs> so why, why would they want to watch my vlog? And it was kind of like a harsh reality and I wasn't sad about it. But it's just it's it's kind of true. Like why am I going to vlog to the 10 friends I have? I can just text them about my day. <laughs> um, and the one part I really liked about it was making stuff a little bit more cinematic and aesthetically pleasing. So I kind of took that and ran with that and went over towards the storytelling part of things with cinematography. Um, so before I knew it, I found myself completely redirected towards, towards where I'm kind of going now. Yeah, so you... You know what? Let, let's jump back a little bit. Um, okay. Sorry if jump... I, I, I ramble. So no, 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 dude. It's just like we like to hear people's life stories because um, I find it interesting why you're jumping from 
uh, photo to video. Um, cause I, I feel like quite a few people do that at one point mm-hmm. or another. Um, which is kind of inter- interesting, but you know, let, let's, let's go a little bit further back. Um, you live, you grew up in Vermont. Yes, correct. Now in high school, cause you went to Essex high school. Yes. I didn't see you much. What year did you graduate? I was done in 2015, spring of 2015. Okay, yeah, so I would have only catch, caught you for that last year. Um, and all I remember about you was that you were kind of a fitness geek. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's, uh, that changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, anyway, and then you um, took off to college. But um, when you were growing up, were you at all into photo? Yeah, I started in eighth grade um, on... I don't know if you went to EMS. I would assume you did based off where you live. The DC trip. Um, oh yeah. We all went. We all went to Washington DC, and I took my little iPhone four and started taking pictures of cherry blossoms and whatever other wild flower there was around the whole city of Washington. And that, no pun intended, kind of blossomed from there. And people started to recognize <laughs> it. People started to, uh, I guess, acknowledge that I was like taking cool pictures. So I bought my first point and shoot camera, and from there it just kind of like spiraled. And I kept wanting to upgrade and I spent my summers and afternoons just researching photo. And at that point, video wasn't even a thought in my head. I had no idea. I knew nothing about it. Um, but let's see before I veer off. Cause I do that. So stop me when I do. Um, <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, that's pretty much like kind of how I started the, the foundation of everything. So actually it's funny that you bring up eighth grade because eighth grade was the year that I decided I was going to go to school for filmmaking. Oh, really? Um, which is very early. <laughs> yes. And it's funny because I didn't go to school for filmmaking. Actually, I didn't I know. go to school I at all. I remember you told me that. You, you <laughs> instead made another investment. I made another investment. Me. Best investment of my life. That was the first shoot that we did together was right when I got yes, that camera. Yes, it was. I think the last one too, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're working on it. If Corona didn't happen, then we'd be in, a, we'd be in good shape. But Yeah, exactly. Um, so in high school, um, what kind of went on? What kind of went on, on in high school? A whole roller coaster of things. Um, I mean, I spent my whole life thinking I was going to be an engineer because my brothers were engineers. So I kind of juggled that and I started doing senior pictures and like every other photographer does going around beautiful Vermont and taking landscape photos and having fun doing it. Um, and everyone started to recognize it more and more and flattered me by saying that I was so good and so this and so that. So it kind of got to my head a little bit, but I was having fun doing it. Then there was a plateau point right around senior year where my mindset shifted more towards engineering and more towards working on cars, and which both of those are far gone. We'll get to that later. Um, but that was kind of the process there. And then it wasn't until college where I kind of got more business-minded about, um, about photography and realizing that instead of it being a hobby, it can be something and the only source of income that I could have. Uh, but it was it was a fun realization, but it was definitely up and down for a lot of it all through high school. So well, well, how did you get to that decision that this could be more than just a hobby? I didn't really have any other choice. <laughs> 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 there was that. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love doing it. My mom always told me you can't do a hobby as a profession, which I'm very against that because here I am. But 
Yeah, I definitely got to the point where engineering, I took college algebra and that was difficult for me. And you need more than college algebra for engineering for anyone listening that does not know that. And I realized that I liked the creative part of it and I didn't have anything else that I was really strong and passionate about. And I am a true believer that wherever you're most passionate is where you can find the money and there can be money found anywhere. So that's kind of been my motto through it all because everyone said photographers don't make anything, which we don't. <laughs> but I can I, I, I try to find it in there. Yeah, so I was going to ask, like, what that relationship with your parents looked like. Because if you have brothers who are engineers and you're like, I'm going to go take pictures forever. <laughs> like, were they trying to steer you away from that? Honestly, no. There was always like a little bit of, kind of hanging over me, making sure I didn't screw up my life too much, but it was always supportive. And I'm super grateful for that because there wasn't ever a point where they sat me down and said, you can't do this. Like, we want you to be a doctor. We want you to do this or that. Um, They always just kind of steered me down the better path when I ran into problems going on my path, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's good. That's great to have <laughs> mm-hmm. parents that support you, especially, you know, I didn't know if there was going to be a stigma there for you at all, but if there wasn't, that's yeah. awesome. Um, that's huge, I think. It, it was, I'm grateful for it. And funny enough, I did one video shoot for my brothers. They both work at the same, two of my brothers work at the same engineering firm in Williston. And I did a shoot for them and their company, like ripping around some Humvee because they had to test motion sensors. So that was fun. And it was, it was cool where both of our occupations kind of clashed and were brought together. Yeah, that sounds That's like cool. a, a fun shoot. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad. So remind me again, I think you may have already said this, but when you went to college, was that for photo video or that was for no. engineering? Initially, it was engineering that lasted a month and a half. Um, I took a quick turn towards communications, but I'd never have gone to school for photo or video. Um, a lot of people do, and a lot of people gain a lot of traction doing it, but I never did one because of finance two lack of interest at the time. Um, and three, the internet is full of crazy information because that's where I learned everything. Um, so I, I, I feel that what I got out of college going to FAU, the main part was the networking and meeting people and, finding some kind of base clientele yeah for sure who are you uh watching on youtube oh boy it changes it changes every few months (laughs) uh peter mckinnon was like everybody's first youtuber that everyone watched i don't know if either of you have stumbled upon so (laughs) he heavily influenced me and then that kind of transitioned towards matt como and sam colder with the very like intense graphics and editing which I don't like at all now, funny. And now there's a lot of just more, or, or I guess more hidden pages or people that I that I follow. One guy, Danny Gewurz, he's kind of on the climb right now with YouTube. He's probably got like 20,000 subscribers now. He's really good and he, he does a lot of cool uh, tutorial videos to teach cinematography more than just showing off cool highlight reels. Them... Aperture Lighting has really cool lighting breakdowns. And I think, um, oh boy, those are the two that I can think of right now. Usually it just comes up on my front screen of YouTube. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> that looks awesome. 
Yeah, well, I'm the, I'm the same way. I mean, I took the approach of I'm not going to go to school at all, and I'm just going to learn from YouTube. Mm-hmm. And clearly, um, it's it's working. Well, it's getting there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, do you know, uh, you know, like full time filmmaker? The yeah, Parker for Wahlberg some reason, film? for some reason, I'm not the biggest fan. I don't know why. Have you? Do you have the course? No. Oh well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I bought the course and I was pretty disappointed, and I'll and I'll say why. I was not disappointed by the quality of the tutorials. I thought they were amazing. If you've never touched a camera, you will know how to be a filmmaker by the end. Okay. The problem was there wasn't really anything to be learned there that couldn't be learned anywhere else. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of been more on the side of where it's like, I get most of my concepts from just watching either like vlogs nowadays or movies but honestly mm-hmm. there's cooler stuff happening in vlogs right now <laughs> yeah um and then i just go and try to figure them out i've never found too much success with um that tutorial stuff mm-hmm. it's always trial and error too of whatever you see and trying to put it into your own into your own words i guess is a good way to put it yeah sure well you're talking to you know andy makes vlogs I've been, he's, he's, he's so, Andy, you can talk about the house project, but I've been watching those and it's yeah, awesome. So, <laughs> thanks. Uh, in 2017, I, I built my own house, um, and I recorded a vlog of the whole thing. Uh, okay. I did really good about, uh, capturing it, editing it and publishing during all the, like the site work and the clearing. And then once we actually started building the house, things got way too busy and I ran out of time to edit anything, but I kept recording. So I shot the whole vlog and now the house is built. I'm in it now. It's it's wonderful. And I'm slowly chewing down the gigabytes on the hard drive and editing the two-year-old footage, three-year-old footage now and trickling them back out onto YouTube. So uh, it's a little bit dated. You know, most vlogs mm-hmm. happen fairly soon, but it is pretty cool to look back on the whole home build process from, awesome. from woods to finished house. And uh, I just started getting into that um, or, you know, putting them out there again this last this last month um and uh so now we're, we're just getting into it again and like cam was saying it's uh neat to see the process so yeah same thing kind of i had a topic to talk about so i thought i'd share it and it was something that um the friends and family were all interested in so i thought hey why not combine my hobby of shooting videos and um use that to a as a creative outlet how do i learn how to use the camera how do i shoot better because like you said there's no strings attached no rules Mm -hmm. to vlogs so it allows me to be creative and use some dorky audio track or not or use jump cuts or not and um you know i can't go wrong and nobody's gonna complain about it so that's a, a an exercise that i'm went through and i'm going through now again um in editing to um learn the craft and mm-hmm. uh build the skills because uh video is fun i started in sixth grade with the oh, video okay. and i started with a video camera so i started there and then now you know as i learn more about video I'm, my photography skills are improving but uh video is primarily uh the focal point for me and same thing it was just you know rc videos as a whatever a middle schooler shoots videos of but <laughs> yeah well andy you were born and bred in a video family yeah my, my dad shot video um for church and friends weddings on the side so um he did it so i kind of grew up around that and uh now he has a uh we have a wedding and event videography business called spare time video 
And so we often capture, uh, corporate events, uh, some corporate events, some college event sort of things, a wedding here or there. Um, that's not our primary focus, but happy to capture the day, uh, when needed. So we do that. So this is what's, this is what's really interesting. Um, that's happening right now in the zoom call is we are three people who do completely different things in the same umbrella right okay so we are all filmmakers photographers whatever andy you're over here doing i mean we i guess we all have youtube in common we all make like vlogs and stuff um now the reason i make (laughs) for our 10 friends that watch it (laughs) yeah well no but that's why i love making them there is no better way to keep memories than filming it Right. You know, that, that's what's been huge for me. But here, here's what's interesting. Andy, you're doing, you know, event stuff um, as well as your own stuff. I mostly do promotional documentary things. And now, Brady, you are grinding spec commercials. Thank you. So what is, so what is, that wasn't a compliment. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Have fun. Sure sounded no, like no, it. No, no, no. My, my, you've been pumping out spec commercials, dude. You made one for Jeep. You did one with, for Citizen Cider. Um, what's the story? Um, well, I could be honest about it and just say that I can't get any clients right now and I want to be creative. <laughs> Um, we can relate. Spec, spec commercials are super important to me because one, it's a creative outlet, no strings attached. You can do whatever you want. Obviously you need to make it look nice. So that when a client is looking at your work, um, that they can see that you're, you know, up to, up to par and doing things professionally and nicely and what they would want. But that's the other thing is getting more content out. So when those clients come, more and more down the line after COVID or after whatever that I've got a good portfolio. And it looks like I've done work for all these name brands and whatever. This is a conversation that Andy and I've had so many times about this spec commercial game, because I don't know how many times I've told um, upcoming filmmakers or whoever, if you go and make a commercial for someone, nobody knows if you got paid. That's reality. It's like, to an outsider's perspective, you've made a commercial for Citizen Cider. Mm-hmm. That's a big brand. <laughs> Doesn't mean <Yeah>. it got aired. <laughs> Doesn't mean it got aired. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's, it's waiting. It's waiting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that's such an important thing um, that people always forget. And those people that I'm talking about are mostly me, right? Um, where it's like, I, I, I talk about this all the time, but I never do it for myself. Where, you know... Actually, that's not entirely true. Whenever I was getting really small budgets, I would always be like, okay, I'll do it. I'd make it as good as I possibly could. Then the next guy who talks about it, I'm like, yeah, that costs however many thousands of dollars that it (laughs) didn't cost, right? Um, But it's, it's a super dope thing that you're, you know, grinding out these spec commercials because commercials are so bland nowadays. You know, and if you can find a way to make them sweet before mm-hmm. you're under the pressure of money, then you're far ahead of some of us, you know? Yeah. So what, what's, what, is, what is your biggest project you've worked on for film or photography? 
Also, this biggest, is not a judgment question. I'm just curious. Biggest in which <laughs> sense? Like biggest production or biggest like name or longest term? What like which which way? Any uh, any of them? Oh, awesome! Yeah, all, all three. <laughs> yeah, let's let's hear about it. Um, I'm trying to think. There there was one I did a little while back, which I don't even know. It's probably on my website, and I did a two-day shoot uh, with, when I say Rolls-Royce, it's not corporate, even though they recognized it, um, but <laughs> Rolls-Royce based in Miami, so it's more of a district Rolls or a district dealer, um, but I did a two-day long shoot with six different Rolls-Royces that there's only one of each of them in the world, so that was kind of cool, um, and then there was one point where, I hope they're not listening, but we were driving, getting a shot, and the porters the people driving the cars didn't speak english so we said we had to get off at this point and then they missed an exit and put on like another five ten miles that weren't supposed to be on the car um <laughs> so that was a whole whirlwind but it was a fun project it, it was really unique and cool trying to be in those and like in just the vicinity of being like shooting the cars and being responsible for shooting them so that was a fun one and long and painstaking it was like two 10-hour days that shouldn't have been two 10-hour days um, but I'm, I'm going to lock that in with my final answer being the longest one. You could only put a certain amount of miles on the car. They only had four or five to begin with. <laughs> so wow. they, they didn't even want to drive them to the top of the parking garage. I mean, reasonably so, but the parking garage and back is a two mile round trip. It's a huge garage. So they didn't even want to drive them up there for the shot. So they're very kind of strict on it. Hmm. What kind of pressure did that add, dude? Honestly, actually, yeah. So it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was some pressure, but at the end of the day, you're still shooting. It just goes back to the basics of you, the camera, and whatever product you're putting out or product you're shooting with. Sure. Yeah, I mean, nobody says a car commercial has to have a moving car, right? <laughs> That's true. I've done plenty of those, and it was actually one trick I used over and over and over again for like a race car commercial, where I just keep the car still get really tight in the details and just kind of like shake my camera. Yeah. And it looks like it's racing down the road and maybe I had like a sun, like a light flare in there and <laughs> nobody ever knew. That's actually a cool trick. It's fun. I, I remember that. From, I learned it from some like high budget Lamborghini video. I saw that got put out. I think it's called fire and ice. Oh, I've seen if that you video. Wanna, you've seen it. So I see <laughs> yeah. there's the BTS breakdown of it and he was doing that and they had the light going over the, the engine bay so he was shaking and it looked like the sun was like moving around and stuff so it was a really cool technique and i was like i'm gonna try that oh my gosh i forgot the guys the company name that did that but they're epic yeah and i, I thought it was funny um they were like yes yeah, it's, it's a pretty low budget project in the breakdown <laughs> right and they're shooting with um oh what's the 8k like the helium or yeah, the like helium. That. The really good low light. I, I, I don't even know what it is. And they had the whole gimbal on this like razor off-roading thing going with the Lamborghini. And I was like, yeah, that's really low budget. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Well, isn't it crazy? Like for us, like <laughs> we're, we're we're at the bottom of the barrel, low budget stuff. Where it's like, <laughs> yeah, because anything under a hundred thousand dollars is you know low budget in this world. Apparently so. And it's just it's just mental, but. Um, but you know, Hey, let's talk about, before I forget, let's talk about, uh, the photography to video thing. Mm -hmm. 
Now, is that a, is that a, I couldn't make money making, taking photos or is that a, I want to explore video or what is that? A little bit of both. Um, one part of it with the money is that video pays more. It's a little bit harder and it's a lot easier for photographers to come out and seal all our gigs. All they need is a quick Canon Rebel and a cool set of presets and <laughs> they're in. And that's kind of a slap in the face. But also, aside from that, because I still love doing photo, but I always realize there's a lot of photographers that do photo stories, which are kind of like blogs out there, and they capture a series of photos and write a whole like blog about it and tell the story attached to the photos. And I thought that was cool, but I don't always think that way, I guess, and writing isn't my cup of tea or cup of coffee. And <laughs> I always avoided it, but then... Once I started doing vlogs, I realized that that storytelling can be shown all in one video and capturing, I guess, capturing that story in a video is really cool because it's not only like in photo, you just shoot what's there to be shot. Like if I'm shooting for this mic and that's the goal for photo, I shoot the mic. But if I'm doing video, I'll get a shot of that. But then there's everything else leading up to it, like the behind the scenes of it, like everything to tell the story about how it works. So I think that's really fascinating to me. And that's kind of where it took me by storm and fully immersed me. Yeah, I think the the benefit you have um, with a photography background is you know how to make a shot look good. You know, like you got that under your belt. Now you're just introducing motion, Mm -hmm. right? Like obviously there's a much bigger storytelling piece. but the for me, is the key. yeah, so so what's kind of interesting is I always say, like, I'm a full-time filmmaker, but I can't take a photo to save my life. Well, I've seen some of your photos, so that's not true, but keep going. Well, hey, I have a <laughs> rebel and some cool presets. No, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, no, but for real, it was actually, I started intentionally taking a lot of photos just probably three years ago uh, because I realized I couldn't do it. And the reason I couldn't do it is because in high school, um, I had the same camera that everybody else had, but I went out and spent the money to get a Ronin. I bought a gimbal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that automatically brings your production value up like five steps. Just having Isn't it nice... funny how you never use it anymore? I never, never touch it. I, never I only do handheld. I, I only do handheld. Like, I can be professional. I can charge all this. And now it's got dust on it and I always shoot handheld. Dude, I, it is unbelievable. I... I I sold mine and got a Movi, and I've probably used the Movi like five times in the last like two years. It's unbelievable. All I shoot is handheld because once you get good at it, you can do some really creative stuff with handheld. Yeah. You know, um, it's hard to do well though. It's really yeah. hard to do well. Um, and honestly, like I still can't shoot handheld. This is gonna sound like I'm a stuck-up rich kid. I I still can't do handheld without of without um, an easy rig. <laughs> yeah i wouldn't know handheld <laughs> easy rig that is not the same <laughs> see for me it is it's like there's there's something about the camera no, being daniel on the string. schiffer does handheld you oh, yeah he on does. an easy rig is not handheld daniel schiffer is really good at handheld but um, the handheld i like is very like adding motion to it oh for I sure know, i don't know why it's like because some people are like him he's darn good at handheld making it look like it's on a slider but for me i'm trying to think of or i guess that 
that card trick, like handheld adding motion or like following a character in like a personable way instead of just keeping it smooth, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Have either of you seen Extraction yet? No. Oh <laughs> my gosh, guys. If we're talking about handheld extraction. I'm add it to my notes. Please, it's on Netflix, okay? So Extraction is a new Netflix movie. There is a 13-minute one-shot fight scene. Are you serious? And well, it, it's uh, it's like something like 30 shots, but it looks like one shot. Okay. Um, sort of deal. <laughs> it is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. You guys will love it. Um, if you have Netflix, watch it. If you don't have Netflix, borrow your buddies Extraction. and watch it. Don't let me forget to watch Extraction. <laughs> <laughs> Cam, while we're talking handheld, let me let me get something to show you real quick. Look at this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Dude, that was mine. <laughs> That's a fly no, cam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a fly cam, and I got it because you told me about it. The fly oh, cam is good. Yeah, it's like one hundred and twenty dollars, and it's you know it's got weights on the bottom, and and the thing is it's got these really cheap screws to adjust on the top. So it's a it takes you like a long time to learn how to balance your camera just right. But then once it's balanced, it's it's basically a gimbal, you know. So for a hundred dollars, I have gotten a ton of use out of that, and like you said. I use it just to stabilize my handheld footage a little bit, so it's not quite gimbal level, yeah, but, right, but it, still it, has it that takes feel. that amateur shake out of it, and um, and it's a good, it's just a good handle to hold my DSLR on. Absolutely, my actually, so before I had an easy rig, the way that I did handheld was I would put my DSLR, my GH4, on my glide cam and hold it by the stick. Yeah, yep. and that's how it because you, you know the trick to handheld one of the biggest tricks is you just have to get your hands away from the sensor while still mm -hmm. holding the camera you know that's that's how you get because bad handheld is when you have that like those micro shakes yeah, yeah. from you holding it like i good handheld hand, yeah exactly good handheld is when your hands are far enough away from the sensor mm -hmm. um where it's floating you know that's why i've got mine rigged out even though I don't need to, it does no benefit. <laughs> yeah. But having the having the cage to hold on to and just letting it dangle below me, yep, takes away most of that shake. Yeah, something that I always try to explain to people that nobody can understand is is your shots look better the heavier the camera is. Yes, like literally, mm -hmm. the heavier the camera is, the better your handheld is going to look. Like my handheld on my Red versus my handheld on my DSLR, completely different. But really, that's just every filmmaker's excuse to just go to B&H and buy more stuff. <laughs> I gotta build out the but rig. <laughs> we like that excuse. Um, wow, this is like turning into a, a tutorial session. Oh my gosh. That's okay. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. That was one of the things we set out when we did this podcast was, is we wanted to obviously talk shop, but we also wanted to provide some sort of educational piece so mm -hmm. we could learn ourselves, but also pass that on. So um, that's kind of cool. Uh, I upgraded from my Rebel T6i to an 80D, which I'm digging. Uh, but what are you shooting on? I am shooting Sorry, on... Sorry, 90D. 90D. I got the 90D. new one. 90D. <laughs> I've, I've heard good things about it. I'm not going to lie. I don't I know anything no complaints. that there's good things spoken about it. But, <laughs> it's a start. Um, I'm shooting on a couple of EOSRs, and mm. I like, love them. <laughs> like a little, little bit of both i do love them it's a fantastic hybrid camera um it shoots amazing photo and 
pretty cool, amazing video. De it definitely, it's not a cinema camera, but it's full frame, shoots 4K with a severe crop, and <laughs> everybody knows the specs, whoever's heard of it, but I like it a lot, but I'm thinking of switching to the Blackmagic just to get something that has a little bit more cinematic roots to it, just for primarily video, and I'll keep those for my wedding photo because I love shooting them. Um, but when I used to have my 60 Mark II, it... I, I had both of them at the time, 60 Mark II and the R, and there was a huge video quality jump from the R to the R from the DSLR. So I sold it and got another one. Just <laughs> Dude, do not buy another camera until the EOS R5 comes out. I don't think I want it. I feel like Canon is notorious for adding or for promoting some ridiculous spec that gets all the attention and sneaking out of that somehow. And I feel like that it's just going to be a letdown because I'm never going to use 8K. And there, I've already got photo cameras. So yeah, there's there's always a there's always a like fine print to Canon. Mhm. Mm Whereas, like, it has all those amazing specs, but the it won't take batteries. You'll have to plug it into a wall all the time. <laughs> you know, it's like something ridiculous like that. But I would seriously, like, from the spec sheet, I mean, it's got 8K, you know, 4K at, like, 120 FPS, mm -hmm. I think it said. Um, I mean, the, it blew up the spec sheet. So, um, we'll see. Who knows? It could be, like, $20,000, yeah. though, you know. So. Yeah, you never know. And like when the 60 Mark II came out, apparently they said it shoots 4K, but that's 4K time lapses. So it's really <laughs> essentially just like photos put together. Yeah, that's rough. But we'll, that's a we'll, bit of a snake. We'll never know. At the point where I'm ready to drop the money, the R5 could probably have come out and I could change my direction, but we'll see. Sure. That's a yeah. toss-up. So are you doing this full-time? Yes. Uh, there's fine print in there, but I'm doing it full-time. <laughs> The freelance thing is not full-time. That's always just a matter of just working and finding gigs that come in big clumps and then those like long dry periods. But I'm also working with a marketing company in Florida, which right now is uh, out of commission because of the virus. But that's my full-time. I'm still shooting, so that's the fine print. I'm still doing stuff. I do stuff with cool brands. like I did, like I said, Rolls-Royce is how I got that. Bentley and a lot of other cars that aren't around in vermont so i'm not sure if you've heard of them oh we've heard of them <laughs> trust me <laughs> um but yeah uh, full-time within reason is is what i'm doing here full-time video part-time freelance yeah yeah it's oh, cool frustrating at times because everyone wants to be their own boss and have their own gigs and and i'm always comparing like to the people that look like they're doing it full-time which who knows maybe they're not but I'm in my head. I'm like, I should have all these crazy gigs all the time, nonstop. So it's it's always yeah. that thing going on, you know. Yeah. Well, I'm full time and own my own business, but I also have a thirty hour a week job. So <laughs> not a lot of people know about all the time. <laughs> um, but again, that is that is the grind to be able to do what you want, right? And yeah, exactly. Um, how old are you right now? Twenty three. <laughs> twenty three. Had to think about it for a second. Think, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm twenty three years young. <laughs> so you're twenty three. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, being twenty one, I'm I'm on that same grind. So your goal is to go full time for yourself. Mm -hmm. 
apparently, I don't remember. My mom always holds me to it. She said I was always going to, or I was always saying that I'm going to have my own company by 30. Oh. Didn't know that I said that, <laughs> but that's my goal, apparently. And I started my LLC at the beginning of the year, so I guess I achieved that, if you want to count it. There you go. But, Te- technically speaking. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. I'll check that off. Um, but yeah, full full time with my own company, uh, ideally having my company and then shooters under me at some point would be even better. But that's that's a dream as of right now. Yeah, well, especially with this uh, whole virus thing going on. Yeah. Video gigs and events are kind of kind of weird not happening right now. Yeah, I know. Spec commercials. so tell me did you come home because of corona yeah pretty much and i got bored of because in florida it's urban everywhere you've been down there cam and i were in the same same city and we didn't even know until he released a vlog (laughs) isn't that hilarious see what vlogging will do man vlogs are good but yeah so it's very urban there and um, I got tired of just going. There's this one place that you go to see alligators and it's like this nature preserve. And we were doing that like every day, Sarah and I. And then it was an idea. I just bought a new car that's an SUV. So I was like, let's drive up the coast and go to Vermont. And we were like, well, where are we going to sleep? And we slept in the back of the SUV or back of the new car that was crammed as heck. And we made it up to Vermont and it's a lot more nature-esque if you want to put it that way and scenic <laughs> so we did a lot of adventuring and are doing a lot of adventuring and shooting and now that weather's nice it's it's a little bit better it's nicer to us well you've been but, out adventuring and i haven't seen a single freaking vlog dude all i'm seeing are these music <laughs> videos what's going on <laughs> it's more fun to exercise that that muscle that cinematic muscle than just going vlogging because the thing with vlogging is it's always in my head and i'm like oh i don't need that shot Oh, I won't need that. That that that'll be fine. That's not important. And then I get home and I'm like, I didn't hit the record button once. I've <laughs> <laughs> been there. I've, yeah, I've still been there. So no vlogs as of right now. Gonna do a breakdown though. So that's kind of like a blog. A vlog. If I do. A yeah. Break, so I'm that was. Breakdown. That's true. You have been doing breakdowns, right? On top of the spec commercials. Mm-hmm. I like to teach. It's fun. I've never been one to be like, this is my craft. This is my knowledge. Nobody else can hear. Explain a breakdown to me. So I did that Citizen Cider commercial, whether you saw it or not, it's it doesn't matter right now. Um, but I waited a week and then I broke it down. I took grabs from that screen grabs and a bunch of phone BTS pictures and um, just pretty much put it all together like from what I started with, why I did things, why it was lit that way to the best of my knowledge at that point. Um, and just put it out there. So hopefully, cause that's how I learned. I would watch a lot of people yep. break down their commercials and everything and be like, Oh, I didn't realize that that light actually did something. People think that when they don't see a light, it's naturally lit or there's nothing there. Or no kind of, you know, Hollywood tricks that are in there. Yeah. Little techniques. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll be doing again on that, um, music video I just did with the rain, uh, that Sarah was singing in cause it wasn't actually rain. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, you used like a hose, right? A hose and a lot of water. <laughs> it was it was going for a while. Dude, it's amazing what we can do. Um and movie tricks and all that mm-hmm. stuff. You I know, even I had think one Peter guy, McKinnon kind of found me. it. 
Yeah, and I, I saw a lot of his videos, like Filmmaker Reacts to all the tricks. But one mm-hmm. guy DM'd me and was like, dude, you like you put so much effort in that. Like You put so much effort, you even went out into the rain to get that shot. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I put in effort, but it, I wasn't going out in the rain. I kind of put a hose up there and bolted it to the wall. So different <laughs> effort, but I, I, I get what he was saying. I was going to say different effort, but that's still a lot of effort. I mean, you made rain. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what more could you ask for? Exactly. So do you think that's what you want to be doing? Do you think you want to be making commercials? I don't know if it's commercials or music videos or Hollywood, whatever. But like the main thing that I've seen the pattern of where my head goes when I think about all of those is the storytelling and kind of evoking emotion and bringing that out in whichever way. Um, whichever way I see fits and making people cry, whether it's happy tears or sad tears and in music videos and commercials. And I mean, the citizen cider one was kind of out there. It was more of just like a simple corporate commercial, but there's a few other things I've done that really, I want to pull those heartstrings and attach some kind of feeling to the product instead of just saying this product is cool add like a family element or something to make people say like, Oh, I want that. And they achieve that while using this product said product. What you're saying right now is exactly why I left the commercial world, (laughs) which is really interesting. Okay. Now talk to me that that is not to say that you can't achieve that in commercials. You absolutely can. Everybody has seen the Budweiser, uh, horse commercials with the the little puppy all right those are awesome Uh (laughs) you know it's like what are the clydesdales is that what they are it's clydesdales right is that what they're called yeah 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 Mm -hmm. yeah i think so so it definitely can be achieved right emotion and those commercials and stuff well and and i should clarify the real reason i left the commercial world was to focus more on ministry and telling people's um testimonies right their life stories and stuff like that Mm-hmm. I realized in the commercial world, and a lot of people in the commercial world know this, and, I, and it sounds like you do as well, where you can't sell anything without emotion. Um, and, and if your main purpose is there to sell something, you can't sell something either. And that mm-hmm. kind of like sounds a little weird, but this is kind of like my take on it, where I make a lot of promotional documentaries, okay? All that means is I make videos for people that are a little bit longer, so like two minutes-ish, mm-hmm. typically, um, that just tell their story. They mm-hmm. simply just tell their story. And I'm very careful with my clients to say, we're always going to be walking a fine line on what's cliche and what isn't as far as, um, you know, trying to sell the product. Um, mm-hmm. But the best kind of marketing is not marketing at all. The best kind of marketing is just telling their story. As soon as somebody can relate to something, they're all in, you know? It's like for me, for instance, this shirt that I'm wearing, like, it's just a shirt. I don't care about the actual tangible thing. I care about the story behind the people who made it, right? Uh-huh. So that that's why I kind of took off is because I... I wanted to focus more on their, those stories. And what I found in the commercial world was people are less willing to put money towards that sort of storytelling. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> people people want the cheap way out all the time, and it's when you find those people that are like know or appreciate the effort it takes and all the little things is when you need to just give them a nice pat on the back and applaud them and thank them because nobody understands like and that might be another reason why i did like the breakdowns to show people why all that time and effort Mm. goes into it there was there was one that i just watched and i forget his name i just dm'd him i'll have to send it to you guys but it was literally just a commercial kind of like more along the lines of what you do just for this boxing company or box like boxing club and i think he's toronto based i've never met him i just dm'd him uh back and forth a few times and this was it felt like this whole movie extremely cinematic extremely like strong story and at the end it just said like so-and-so boxing club and i was mind blown because i didn't know that it was all just for that and then I realized that everything was like based in that that uh, warehouse or whatever they they work out of, and I think that was a really cool twist, like adding that emotion in and doing something unique to the whole, I guess, testimonia kind of advertisement or, or marketing video. There's uh, got to be a good. Uh, oh, I, I guess that I guess that's story branding, really. Which is really big right now. I, I do. I work a lot with um, small farms and small farm businesses, and um, story branding is all about them because they're sharing pictures about their farm and telling their story about, um, you know, trying to share with the consumers what goes into their food and what makes healthy food and all that sort of thing. So, so I'm all in the story brand. And that's exactly what you guys are talking about too. Is um, not just telling the story of the brand, but often leading that customer experience or that emotion that you're feeling to sell the product. So uh, like you're sharing a story, a really interesting video, like you just said, that boxing club video, and then the logo pops up on the end and you didn't even know it was a commercial until it was over. (laughs) Yeah. And I just sent it to just real quick, sent it to cam. So now you can watch it and send it around. Um, But same, same, same thing applies to, I'm sure you've seen it that there's that extra gum commercial where the guy like keeps drawing on the little gum wrappers and then at the end proposes to the girl with like all the frames of like each date that they went on, like drawn on a gum wrapper. Have you seen it? No. I really, I don't watch TV. Maybe I just, (laughs) it it was a few years ago and I think I actually saw it through YouTube, like one of the YouTube ads, but same thing. It's just like something as simple as gum and they put this whole story behind it and this whole kind of sense of emotion and I mean, now I'd probably be more inclined to buy extra gum instead of Orbit or whatever. Yeah. Some people are masters. Some people are master storytellers. Who do yes. you like to... Um, I know we we talked a little bit about, you know, who you watched as you were learning, but who do you admire? Like, on the internet or even directors or movies or whatever, you know? See, I hate this question because I suck at names. <laughs> And I feel like it makes <laughs> you have me... pictures in your head of people, but you yeah, don't know their names. Like I've, I've got the frames and the videos that they've worked on, but I couldn't tell you their name or what they look like. And I feel like it makes me look stupid being like, yeah, I'm a cinematographer and I don't know anything about movies and, and, and directors and DPs, but it's okay. I I'm the I same way. I'm the same way. I don't know. 
any directors, dude. Like, I know mm-hmm. Peter Jackson just because he made Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and mm-hmm. that's easy, you know? And it's like, the only... Yeah, I mean, I know some basic actors, and I'm learning more and more. Like, I'm starting to recognize people mm-hmm. in different roles and stuff, but... Um, I actually really didn't start watching movies regularly until like the past year, I'd say. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I was scared to bring it up. I was scared to mention it, but I'm the same way. Uh, me well, too. <laughs> yeah, well, often, I mean, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys can relate. I literally don't have time, you know? And mm-hmm. it's kind of a bummer because I feel like when I was developing the most um, in my own work was my last couple years of high school because I was in high school um grinding away getting through that you know you know what show and then i was also <laughs> right after school i drive to mount mansfield media and mm-hmm. start editing commercials or promotional documentaries or whatever we were doing over there and it took so much time in the sense and i'm super thankful for for all that but i had no time left over and i wish at that point i was watching more movies because um, yeah. you can learn so much about storytelling and you can learn so much about people from mm-hmm. literally watching movies <laughs> and it takes times to like rewatch episodes or scenes or whatever to like say this time i'm going to look at the cinematography this time i'm going to read the story and the acting this time i'm going to listen to the sound design and you can rewatch and rewatch and rewatch and i never did that so it happened a few times where I was like, yeah, I'm a filmmaker. And people were like, all right, what's your favorite favorite movie? And I was like, I haven't watched a movie in a few months. And I've got no idea. And then, so I forced myself to watch more and watch it with a different eye rather than just like the average viewer. And I kind of mm. treated it as homework. And it's funny. Yeah, it kind, of, took, it kind of ruins movies, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It ruins <laughs> life in general. You walk outside and you're like, oh, that'd be a cool scene. Wait, I'm just walking to the store. <laughs> So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm addicted to lighting. I, I, I want every, every situation I've ever been in in the last like three years. I'm like, wow, if there was like a light right there or whatever, it would look way better. Mm-hmm. Like I could be literally in the grocery store. I'm like, wow, this lighting sucks. <laughs> yeah. And then you start to think like you're walking through or a perfect example. Sarah can vouch for this because she's listening in. We were out to dinner one night. And I'm just sitting there, like, looking for a quick second. I'm like, hmm. And she's like, what are you looking at? And she's like, is something on my face? And I'm like, no, I'm just wondering how I'd light this scene. And <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking, thinking where I'd put a light to make it make sense in my head. And like, no, I asked if you thought it was pretty. Oh, <laughs> she had, apparently, yeah, she has. <laughs> so I just kind of got thrown under the bus, but. It's if a only there story. was some bounce light behind, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I would, I would put a light here, and then I'd put a rim light there. And she's like, "Okay, can we get the check?" <laughs> I love. Oh, it, she's dude. still here, so that's a good sign. <laughs> she is still here, so it is a very good sign. That's awesome, dude. I love that. But that's how we live, you know. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of weird. It's kind of odd. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think about that stuff all the time now. That's, you yeah, have, so do I. You, you have something on me that I don't have, and that it's not a red. I tell you that it is not. <laughs> it is not. It is color grading. I suck at color grading. It's 
I think a lot of it comes from my photo roots or my mm. photo foundation. Bingo. A lo- there's, there's journalistic photographers going to the photo world. There's journalistic photographers and more of like the creative photographers. Journalistic, just shoot true to color, true or light or color, true to life, show what's there and that's it. But me, I like to add in a sense uh, or all five senses to show the viewer because they're not there. But say you go to this ice cave in Iceland. I've never been, but it's a perfect example. You're there in real life and it just feels really cold and blue. And you can almost get that chilling feel when you're there. And you take the picture and either the white balance senses to just be white or it's not the mood that the human eye sees because it that like the brain fills in imagination and fills in the blanks there so my goal is taking that to the computer and bringing it back to how i saw it and how i felt it and smelt it and all of that so i played a lot with color and i think that's where it came from initially because i don't see things like when things are just true to life color i'm bored with it myself because i feel like i should be doing more like i feel like i'm missing something hmm yeah, it's interesting. Cam, what do you like to focus on? What's like, that, like color-wise? Yeah, no, no, no. Out of, like, composition or out of color or out of audio. Like, you know, obviously, like you were saying, he's he's got an eye towards color. Mm-hmm. I think I have a pretty, like, I focus a little bit more on composition. Um, I would Cam, say... Cam, what, what do you like to focus? Yeah, go ahead, Cam. Because I know lighting is one that you're obsessed with. As am I. I am obsessed with lighting. I actually hate, I hated lighting for the longest time. I didn't start mm-hmm. l- loving lighting um, literally until probably last year. I'm not even joking. Same. I hated it. It is such a pain because it's so much work. Like it yes. is so much work <laughs> to light something well. Now, m- I have always been focused on movement. I'm 100% focused on movement all the time. Like if the camera isn't moving, I'm bored personally mm-hmm. and that's something and, i learned recently too because i was shooting a music video and i was shoulder mounted and i was just sitting there and the director was talking to me uh, my friend andre and he's like dude you got to move with it and i didn't realize that like sitting there and just tracking it was a lot more boring than how i now shoot handheld and like i'll rock with it like if they're mad like I'm doing faster movements or if they're slow, like I'm doing whatever. So it's funny that you bring up the, the, the movement and camera motion. You got to sway, dude. You got to sway. It's a yep. little like yeah. side to side thing. But it, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's always been movement. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, I, well, I want to clarify real quick. I have seen beautiful stuff shot entirely on sticks on a tripod. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not True. taking away from that at yeah. all. You can tell an incredible story with a tripod. My Citizen okay. Cider was all yeah, on with the pan tilt. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But it's like for me, I think honestly it comes back because I started filming because of skateboarding. I would film my buddy skateboarding, uh-huh. and there's so much movement involved. Mm-hmm. And some of my favorite projects I've ever shot are related to skateboarding because there's so much movement involved. But for me, it's just like. I'm addicted to trying to make really complicated movements, but also like, b- here's, here's an example. Here's one of my favorite techniques to use, right? I use it a lot in music videos because a, a lot of the times in music videos, the story, because in a music video, your job as a filmmaker is to tell the story of the song, right? Uh-huh. Now, 
A lot of songs start in an uncomfortable place. And then by the end of the song, that's either resolved or you're Taylor Swift and you still are single, right? So <laughs> essentially, <laughs> one of my favorite techniques to use, um, and it's it's shown really well in a music video that I did called, um, oh my gosh, what was it called? There's No Way, I think it's called. Yeah, There's No Way music video. Essentially what you'll do especially if you're do doing it all in one shot, you're going to start um, and you can kind of frame them on the, the wrong third, right? Mm -hmm. So they're looking mm -hmm. towards the short side of the frame and mm -hmm. there's a bunch of yeah. empty space. Now, so like, yeah, exactly. Right exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody who's just watching that doesn't know that that's a filmmaking sin, okay? They mm -hmm. don't know that. True, yep. All they yep. know is that this is uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah, and and if and if your song is talking about how it's uncomfortable, then you've done your job as a filmmaker. Yeah, you just broke a film rule, mm -hmm. right? Like you're you're always supposed to look across the frame, but yeah. Yeah, when you yeah, break it at the right degree. time, it's the best thing ever. So anyway, in this music video, I start shooting um, on the wrong third, essentially on the short side, and it's super weird and all this stuff. But as the movement kind of goes with the song, you land in that perfectly composed shot mm -hmm. um and that's why i think movement is what i focus on so much because movement can literally tell the story for you just like lighting can just mm -hmm. like color grading can just like all these other aspects audio can for sure um and you need a little bit of everything but but i've always loved pushing um camera movement as much as i can i like that uh, it's something that kind of goes over my head too when that question or I ran that question by myself because lighting I love playing with it but movement always and even um that Volkswagen commercial that I or spec that I did a few of those frames where it was both of us in the frame together it was her and I that filmed it alone nobody else was there so a <laughs> few of them I just had it locked off on a tripod but to get that movement look I actually took another clip and layered above it and nested those and then did warp stabilizer. So then it made it still. But then I went into that nested clip and turned off the viewing on that top clip. So the file was still saying to move to stabilize it. But in turn, it was moving oh. that still clip to keep the motion because it was a bunch of moving shots of each other. And then it went to a locked off shot of us in the frame together. So huh. it, it felt weird. So a little filmmaker's trick there that i just learned and i like doing interesting is war like warp stabilized to do the opposite oh that's so that's some weird. complicated wizardry right there <laughs> i am so good. gonna try that it sounds complex but i'll maybe i'll make a little tutorial video on it or i'll just like i don't know record dude let's do it i'll shoot interesting it. i'll shoot okay it. perfect and, and you can uh we'll make it we'll make it in 5k and it'll be awesome perfect let's get it done um but anyway, that's the dude. That's dope. Uh, yeah, I mean, I love that stuff. Uh, that's what it's all about. And that's and and again, back to what we were saying earlier. That's why you know sometimes budgets aren't <laughs> very helpful because mm -hmm. you can't try these fun things all the time. Yeah. You know, um, I've definitely learned more. Actually, that's not true. I was gonna say I've learned more doing my own stuff, but I've definitely learned more on actual job sites. But mm -hmm. um, <laughs> just because I, I mean, I've probably learned more doing my own stuff. Honestly, oh really? Yes and no, actually, because there's learn more techniques and fun things doing my own thing. 
because you can. And if you screw up, nobody's going to yell at you. Yeah. But mistake wise, I've learned more from my mistakes and learned more of the technical, like how you should act and etiquette being on site. Yeah, for sure. Makes sense. So what kind of connections did you like make in college? Good and bad. I mean, there was one who helped me out a lot. And I actually met him on Yik Yak, the old like anonymous Twitter app that everyone would go on in college. And my friend Andre, he's <laughs> the owner of Grizz Productions or Grizz Creative. Sorry. Don't yell at me for that, Andre, if you're watching this. <laughs> um, but I went on once and it was my freshman year. And he was like, my photographer just bailed on me for a shoot today. I need somebody like, are there, is there any chance that a photographer is seeing this. And sure enough, like nine minutes later, I responded. And that was a really good connection <laughs> I made because we still work together to this day. Um, every every so often, not full-time because he's in Florida right now and I'm here. But he was a strong connection. I love working with him too. He's a, like crazy good writer and storyteller. So that's his forte because that's where I fall off. And then me with the cinematography and creative side, we kind of mash perfectly. But other than that, I met just a lot of like people. I got a lot of graduation photo shoots, which just small things. But I got my face out just enough to the point where it would kind of domino effect. So every year people see it. And now I've got people I don't even know posting and getting other people my way. And that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for FAU. So it was kind of like a catch-22. I never learned anything. But if I didn't meet the people that I met there, I might not be where I'm at. Whether whether you're in video or audio or graphics design, everybody can relate to clients. How do you find your clients? We mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that flywheel, you know, of the network of people you already knew or senior photos you already took of other people and their friends. But uh, how are you finding stuff now? That's a extremely um, touchy subject and current problem I'm going through right now, <laughs> and a very current learning curve. So. I relied a lot on word of mouth for a little while and it would work. I would get stuff here and there and I wasn't impressed because I had a current job. So it was just extra money. Um, but now that I'm making even more of a transition towards it being my only income, I'm realizing that those dry periods really hurt and COVID helped because I don't have as many bills at the moment because of everything stopping. So that helped, but I'm working a lot on trying to find out how to get clients that it's not wasting my time because cold calling terrible it's you get one out of like every hundred that's a maybe and you get a lot of no's so i'm trying to find out a way that's more efficient cold calling i guess right now and that's a whole new process so i don't have an answer to why i'm getting all these clients because i'm not getting that many clients (laughs) in all honesty at the moment i'm gonna tell you right now it's freaking hard because mm-hmm. I, I think right now is is a, certainly unique, and so like we can't. Well, yeah, you know, right now, especially no but, you know right the now, thing with but, clients is anybody can get clients. Nobody can get clients to pay, mm-hmm. right? Especially mm-hmm. for creative That's stuff. And, and like I, I'm I'm trying to like sit down every filmmaker in the state of Vermont and tell them that they don't charge enough because they don't, and they're screwing over people like me who want to charge yeah. the actual rate that we should be. And because of all these, you know, the high now, school people, get, like we don't get paid anything. I, can I rant for a second? Uh, <laughs> the podcast is what they're made for. Okay. Well, we're ranting now. Welcome to my podcast. 
<laughs> uh, so I'm in Florida, and this guy hits me up to do. It was like a one or two day, sh- like full day shooting uh, music video, and it was a few different scenes, few different looks. So I was like, "All right, cool." And I gave him a number somewhere, like, and he was he was uh, someone who I knew for college, so I gave him a little bit of a discount. And it was somewhere north of like a thousand, maybe twelve hundred, like nothing extreme. Like I've got lighting, I've got professional gear. It's gonna look nice, and he told me educated me that the industry there is a lot cheaper than that and i should really be charging like three or four hundred dollars <laughs> so where you south florida yeah right so, <laughs> so um you haven't seen that music video out yet simply just because i haven't shot it and i'm not going to but that's that's my rant it's wise well dude because it's worth like, three grand i did this and there's no way um video right and we did it with friends you know that, that so i did it for nothing because it was just us friends in my basement it doesn't mm-hmm. look like we did it in my basement we we did it in my basement is that the one that you sent me uh it had, had a lot of lighting. blue and had a lot of teal and pink yep <laughs> i have your videos cam oh yeah like this <laughs> teal and pink <laughs> and i immediately said right after that that i was never going to do it for less than five thousand dollars again you know that's smart. if not if not $12,000, I mean, because it actually yeah. came out really good and it had a yeah, lot of lighting and had a lot of elements. Um, and you know, I think, I think it's worth that. But the reality is it's like, it's just crazy. The, the, the example that I always give people where in Vermont right now, um, the reason, you know, Vermont is so tough, actually, you know, what? I'm going to talk about something else first. This pissed me off. All right. Now, I, we're, welcome to my podcast. I'm ranting now. So, <laughs> I'm not going to name any names, obviously. But I got a call from one of the biggest uh, marketing companies in the state of Vermont. And I was pumped. I was like, this was probably two years ago, right when I started mm-hmm. this company. I was like, if I make a deal with this marketing company, I'm there. I got money all year. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm actually going to be able to do this, Right. And I go and sit down with them and all this stuff. Um, I talk about, you know, who I am, my process, you know, my background, my this, my that, what we do, um, but showed majority of my interest in who he was, because that's if you ever want to, you know, make friends in this world, you show interest in who they are, right? Mm-hmm. Um Showed a lot of interest in who he was, got the idea of what they were doing as a marketing company, all this stuff, and it was all great, right? Until he was like, what you don't know is in Vermont, there's a lot of people just like you. And I wanted to smack him in the face and walk out of there, dude. I was so (laughs) mad because I'm not bagging on Vermont. There's a ton of creative people in Vermont, right? Mm -hmm. But the reality is, Nobody in Vermont is is on the same mindset that I think we are, for instance. Mm-hmm. Right? I and think I've there's only that. a few of us. Where it's like I I, I call it um like have you ever heard the burn the ships attitude? No. Okay, so the burn the ships attitude. Burn the ships is a term that I think um, I don't know if it was used. The term was used in like a war 
I or maybe it was pirates. I don't freaking know. Honestly, somebody's probably gonna laugh who does know. But the burn the ships <laughs> attitude is essentially is like if you're gonna go to war, okay, on a boat, either you go and you win, or your ship is gonna burn down and you're not mm-hmm. going home, right? Where it's like, you know, the the reason it's so hard to get business in Vermont is because so many filmmakers are just like, um either clueless or, or don't have the the burn the ships attitude and i i feel like i'm kind of talking like i'm about to burn a lot of bridges here um but what i'm saying is like people keep selling themselves short here you know and it's like doing things for no yeah, money they're racing that, to the bottom yeah exactly right and it, and i don't i don't know what it is i don't know if it's a self-confidence thing with certain people why they don't charge anything or what it is and I don't really know where I'm going with this anymore, but I'm following somehow I am. Well, I appreciate that. I hope you're not the only one. But all I'm trying to say is like, you know, it. I wish that creative people didn't sell themselves short as much as they did. And I think the other part I should mention about this marketing guy is he was cheap as can be, you know, like like just there's when he said there's a lot of people like you he was saying that for me to lower my prices mm-hmm. just for reference well it's either that um, or rebel with some presets yeah, yeah right. <laughs> that's right yeah. <laughs> but and, and mind you my 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 prices then were cheaper than they are now right uh-huh. which is even more fun and it's it's easy um, to do though at the same time because i can speak for i've done that like dropping my price just so i can get something so it's easy yeah. to do, but it's so important at the same time to just stand your ground and know your worth. Yeah, right. And and don't devalue yourself. And I don't think that's just a creative thing, but that's just an entrepreneurial thing mm-hmm. um, as people devalue themselves or they're not in it full time. So they don't value their time and they're like, hey, it's an extra 500 bucks. Great. Mm-hmm. And really, yeah, it should have been a $2,000 project, mm-hmm. but yeah you know, right so like because be they don't you care. know in the middle of the coronavirus when you're need to eat yeah like <laughs> you may need to drop your prices but mm-hmm. but here's something that i've actually wanted the outlet to say and i keep forgetting about it and we have a podcast so this is great <laughs> this happened there's a project that i'm starting right now uh, i'm not going to name names again but you know i work the way that i work um as far as getting paid goes is i know my day rate right but what i do is i work on budgets because that's how movies work you know no movie is made on an hourly rate that wouldn't make any sense you know i always go for budgets that way um you know if i if i can do a project for five thousand dollars and the client has twenty thousand dollars to do it you think i'm gonna do it for five thousand no of course not but that's not me being greedy that's me saying i can now bring in more people more talent more equipment more stuff to actually make the project better, right? Because as, as you get better, you get more efficient. So why would you get paid less because you're doing something better? Exactly. Exactly. So that's why I don't really work on an hourly rate. Like I know my bottom line mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to exactly. say. Exactly. That's the low bar. Yeah. So that makes things a little tough when people ask for quotes because a lot of the time, you're like I really work on budgets when um, on my jobs outside of Vermont because nobody knows mm-hmm. what anything costs in Vermont. So in Vermont, I give people ballpark numbers. So for instance, this company was, um, this organization I should say was asking for a quick little campaign video, like two minutes long, whatever. 
had a few interviews, a little bit of B-roll, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, I knew my bottom line for my time, okay, was probably around 2,500 bucks, okay? But I quoted them. I'm like, listen, this is about a $5,000, you know, this is a five to $10,000 project is what I said. Um, and just like any nonprofit organization, they were like, okay, that's not gonna happen, right? Mm -hmm. And then a year went by, okay? Where this month, finally, okay? A year from the last time that I spoke to this organization, they came back to me and said, hey, listen, we're still looking at that project. We went and did some um, fundraising or whatever. We have $3,000, is that enough? And I was like, yep, that'll do. We can make that work, <laughs> you know? And, and like, as much as I wanted to pull the, uh, well, we can make something for, th yeah. you know, like I didn't, because, you know, I respect the organization. But then it makes people happy and they're, they, they feel better too and they feel a little bit more valued. Yeah, but it, it's, it's, it's something... Yeah, it, it's something that I wish people knew where like, you know, it's okay to get doors shut because they can very quickly open. I mean, a year isn't very quick, but still plants. It was seeds, really yeah. reassuring to me, honestly, that, you know, a lot of the times you won't even get shot down for your prices because you're not good enough. For instance, mm -hmm. maybe they just don't have the money. And That's in this case, and yeah, and in this case, they went out and got the money, almost, almost all of it, just so <laughs> we could do the project. And I thought that was the coolest thing, and mm -hmm. and it was really reassuring to me. Um, but it's also just cool. It's like you know, like that's a big deal um, as far as as pricing goes, because I think people are scared of, um, and I've been there myself, where it's like, you know, I remember actually. Sorry, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but I remember. It's okay. Right out of high school, one of the first gigs that I was trying to get was for a company, again, locally, um, which I've given up on local companies because they don't have any money. But um, <laughs> main, main <laughs> like, reason why I left Vermont. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, apparently you're making $300 music videos in Florida. That's not that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, easy, but yeah, easy. No, 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 I didn't mean that as a, you know, what I no, mean. no, I know, I know. But, uh, but yeah, so it was for a company and. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stand firm because I went from a, you know, my first job was 11 bucks an hour or whatever, or 12 mm -hmm. bucks an hour or whatever it was. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make 50 bucks an hour of this project. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm gonna do it. So as an 18 year old or 19 year old, I go into this company, I have this meeting, we talk about the project, it's all good. And they're like, okay, well, how much is this gonna cost or whatever? I'm like, 50, my time is 50 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. shut down dude i was like closed door that door never opened again and i've learned a lot since then mm -hmm. as far as <laughs> marketing right uh -huh. uh, marketing and also just having those conversations like i feel like my buddy joe who we'll have on the podcast eventually is just a marketing genius he i, I think he could sell anything honestly he could probably sell a used pair of socks to you um and I've learned so much from him and, and really what it came down to as I'm thinking about it for the first time right now of what went wrong in that meeting is I wasn't confident at all in my $50 an hour. I was not mm -hmm. confident where mm -hmm. I was like, I, I probably did one of these like 50 bucks an hour, like I was pulling yeah. it out of thin air. But, you know, three years later or whatever, when I told this company, I'm like, it's going to be a five to $10,000 project. And they say, no, I think I was like, 
so much more confident in that number that a year later they turned around they're like hey we got it now let's do it mm-hmm. and i was like sweet let's make it happen and that that even like brings up a pretty good realization of like there was a point when you were unsure if $50 an hour was too much and now you're at a point where you're confident even though they were both no's you're confident you can say 5 to $10,000 is what this is worth Oh, for and sure. That that alone is kind of like reassurance, even though it's plenty of doors shut. Do you, you can still say that. Yeah. Now, I'm going to suggest something to you, Brady. Okay. And this is something. Okay. <laughs> this is very that, loaded. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that I've wanted to do myself, and I'm kind of hypocritical because I preach it to people and don't do it myself. Mm-hmm. Because I always have the excuses of, oh, I don't have time. I work two jobs, blah, blah, blah. But um, it's still something I kind of want to do. So you're making spec commercials or whatever and all this stuff. Like, here's what I would suggest to you. And maybe you know that. Maybe you know this already. And I would suggest this to anybody who's trying to make. Marketing is my weakness, so please. No, it's okay. Go and make a free commercial contact the company and ask them what what do you want i'm gonna make you something sweet because now like you you did it right in the sense of like and i'm not saying you're doing anything wrong but you now have the citizen cider ad you have the jeep ad you have whatever else you've made to back up what you're about to say Mm -hmm. but what i would say is like oh i want to make a video for scout scout and co the coffee place right which i brought you to for the first time and i'm hanging on to that because i think it's hilarious um it's scout's awesome yeah, and we, I was just talking about it with Sarah the other day. She drove by and she's like, "That's so cute! I want to go there." I was like, "It's so good! It's, it's, it's really cool in there, but it's closed. It's fine." Uh, well, that's it's unfortunate. Gotcha. Everything's gotcha. closed anyway. Really, really good. So, say I want to make a video for Scout because they have a great brand. They got three or four, no, I think, three coffee shops in the area, and mm-hmm. what they're doing is really good. We love what they stand for, but whatever the reasons are, you don't go to Scout and say hey, I want to make you a free video, blah, blah, blah. You go to Starbucks and say, I want to make you a free video, blah, blah, blah. Nobody knows, again, I was saying this earlier, nobody knows that you got paid or not from making a video for Starbucks or mm-hmm. uh, whatever company's bigger. And then you take that to Scout and be like, hey, I made this video with Starbucks, right? Mm-hmm. No questions asked whether you got paid or not. You go up and you say a video was, you made a video with Starbucks. You did, mm-hmm. okay, you're not lying. And all of a sudden, it costs this much. Are you interested? That's a good point. Kind of as bait. That's interesting, though, because you're kind of creating a video based on your perception of the brand, which is probably the image that that company is trying mm-hmm. to portray. But it may not be the branding that the company yeah. wants to promote. What I and I see you might run into that. Yeah. The branding that they put out. So yeah. when it came to putting it together... I just based everything aesthetically based off the feel that I kind of got off of it all, like the look. And then Sarah and I went in after and read through the website, read who they were, read what they stand for, and formulated some kind of voiceover script. And her being the writer was the excellent one who did that. Perfect. And then me being the amazing voice that I have, not kidding, (laughs) (laughs) went in and just a a male voice fit a little bit better for that particular video. Um, Yeah. But yeah, so that's my interpretation, like you said, my interpretation of the company. So that would kind of be like the next step of a spec commercial 
Yeah. Well, here, let me let me make myself clear on why I said that. The reason I said that is like, for instance, say you want to work with Citizen Cider because you made a Citizen Cider ad. Um, if you want to work with Citizen Cider, I would say don't go and make the ad for them. Make the ad for someone much bigger than them. Now, and the reason I say that is because in my mind, I always had the mindset of start small and things will snowball, right? And in a lot of ways, that's true. That's still true, right? However, if the people you really want to be working with are these local companies or whatever, the people around you, start with the big dogs and do it for nothing. That way you can kind of like, again, snowball from the bottom, but at least you have a good starting place. You know what I mean? Yeah, Does no, that make exactly. any sense to you? Does it that make any sense, sense at all? Yeah, yeah you're using the big brand to lead the way. Yep. It, and I took that citizen thing and actually just had a door shut on me the other day with Woodchuck. Um, it, oh, yeah. Just, exactly. That same day, they just apparently signed with a different production company. But I took it and was like, hey, I did this with and for citizen. They didn't know. Um, but that wasn't my plan in the beginning. My plan in the beginning was just I drink those. So let's buy some, <laughs> shoot some, and then drink it after yeah cool yeah sorry maybe but, i'm making it deeper yeah, than cheers. it was um but <laughs> no I'll, I'll stick with yours but i like what you're saying because then it shows that you have a communication and i guess like a referral you could have saying like, it's a yeah, huge credibility that. piece is what yeah, it is that's, that's the word i'm looking for it's a huge credibility piece yeah and that's something that i've really learned a lot as i you know as i work with a lot of nonprofits right now and Again, I, was, I had this told to me and it just made so much sense where it's like, if you want to work with regional companies, these nonprofits for, for me, regional nonprofits, you need to go to the national ones first mm -hmm. and do it for nothing or do it for very little. Yeah. That way, all the regionals are going to be looking at you like, oh, you're the national guy. I, I would do anything mm -hmm. to have you on my team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's my take on it. Anyway. I'm thinking about a, a couple of other things on um, trying to get clients and confidence and stuff like that. And all that's important. And um, I just think of it a little bit from the business owner's perspective. So the other person in the room, they're probably in their mid fifties, maybe even sixties. They see this young hotshot, 19, 20, 23, whatever, you know, they're, they're not 45 with mm -hmm. experience. They're 19 trying to say they make 50 bucks an hour. They're, they're thinking, are you kidding yeah. me? You know, how, how experienced can you be? And rightly enough, they may have no idea of what they're asking for. It, it very well may be a multi thousand dollar project, but they don't know that and they have no confidence in you. Uh -huh. So that's what makes it like even more more difficult yeah. as a as a young creator and, to get started. It seems like all of us started very young, so I know all of us have run into that problem. <laughs> and even not as much in like the the video world, but when I was doing photo, like wedding photo at like 17 years old, nobody right. wanted the 17 year like they'd been together for almost 17 years. Why would they want somebody <laughs> or ho however many? But yeah, so that's a huge yeah, problem yeah. we've all run into. And I get it all the time. I actually, just the other day, I, I kind of laughed at it because I'm at the point where I have the confidence that like I know my worth. And I had my camera on me. I was walking around campus at UVM and there were a bunch of people taking iPhone grad photos. So I went up to <laughs> one family and immediately I was like, hey, you want to do a shoot? I know a lot got canceled. 
set a number. I said like $100. It's quick and easy. I was like, I'll do it in 20 minutes. And 20 minutes later, I was done. And I made the money. So I went up to another group of girls that all had their gowns on and everything. And I said the same thing. Like, I'm a professional photographer, Florida-based. I do this all the time. And Or no, I said this time I just said photographer and I had my camera. And she turned to me and was like, oh, well, I just got like, I, I got real ones done yesterday. So like, uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. Ouch. And I laughed at that one. I was just like, okay, well, I have fun with that. Because I know that yeah, my right. product, like I've had people very happy and, and the least conceited way possible, very happy with what I give, give out to them. So right. it wasn't a slap in the face. But Dude, I, I had one of those. Oh my gosh! It's funny how people profile you so quick. And so I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna tell you this story, okay? I'm gonna ask my brother if I can put it in before I put it in here. Okay. <laughs> so my brother is. <laughs> I got to choose my words really wisely here. Um, we, when we were in Florida, Brady, uh-huh. over by over in your, during those vlogs, okay? We went to Disney one day. Um, my brother and his ex-girlfriend um ex ex-girlfriend i don't know i don't know um it was a, cu- a couple years ago when we did this but so we were down there and i wasn't entirely fond of her and i think she knew that but i don't know how much of that played into this situation but disneyland has photographers right mm-hmm. and oh. i bl- i don't think they're tr- contracted with disney i think they're just like photographers and doing day jobs or whatever um, but you me, can pay to that after but keep going Okay, but you can pay like a poop ton of money to get uh-huh. your photo taken by a Disney photographer. All right, uh-huh. um, and they like give you the they like text the file to your phone like immediately. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how it works, but you can pay like a frick ton of money to get your photos taken. So anyway, they're the out doing. The, my brother has a bunch of college friends and his ex girlfriend at this you know at disney and kip and i are there doing our own thing and and we Uh, all meet up because i was gonna get a photo of them at the castle right um so i i get my lens out you know my like okay one i was on a okay not to brag i I don't want to sound like i'm bragging about gear but i was shooting a 5d mark IV with a 24 70 all right Uh and this disney photographer had like a t2i all right so Uh (laughs) anyway and it's a low light so you know it's gonna be rough for him but anyway so i get my flash out we're framed up we're literally framed i got everybody in place framed in front of the disney castle and she's like but I want a real photographer to take it. I was dumbfounded, dude. <laughs> I was absolutely dumbfounded. And then we left her there and we all went home. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, yes. Uh, but, but oh no, my I, gosh. Same thing happened to me. I shot a wedding um, on Royal Caribbean a few years ago. It was docked, though. And then they, for their honeymoon, went off afterwards. Worst setup ever. I'm sorry to say this, but just going through security and all of this and everything's on a time constraint, whatever. But all that aside, they don't allow photographers for their weddings. Hmm. They provide their experienced photographers uh-huh. um, and that's it, like set and stone, whatever. So I immediately became the cousin and whatever and... <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I'm just like playing around doing it. And I get, the, I get there and I see this professional photographer that they spoke so highly of and like degraded me saying like, I'm not crap. 
You're the cousin. <laughs> yeah. And so I finally start shooting the portraits and this, they're paying me like full wedding price. So I need to give them good quality. So this guy starts to get in at the portraits and he's got like a rebel, I think it was with like one of those like Japanese flashes that only works <laughs> like part of the time. And it's like a kit lens. So it's like, okay, we're not going to argue over this so i just completely asserted my dominance and went in and it was i like i made that contact with the couple and i was telling them telling them all these poses and stuff and took total control and then by the end you're looking at my camera yeah and by the end that photographer was like okay can i get a shot now like are are you done and it completely switched and then they let me eventually but it's funny how everyone just like sees the kid or sees the person with like a little camera set up and they're like oh we'll let the professional do it it'll well, go back to it. i didn't even have a little setup i mean you know how big a 5d mark 4 with a 24 yeah. to 70 and a flash yeah, is right. i mean you're <laughs> yeah. talking like a like a big setup but yeah i mean um it's crazy and and a lot of that goes to um i don't even, you know that's not even the problem for a lot of people a lot of people the problem again is selling themselves short because they have that little mm-hmm. setup and again, mm-hmm. one to talk, you know, I shoot on a red, but it's yeah. like, I always do it though. It's a mental thing. Like, yeah, Take it I, I was going to buy a map box before I went to Nashville to shoot something just to look legit because I had a map box. It would have done nothing. I'm, I'm my, it does nothing. Bro, my senior photo in the yearbook is so cringy because I put a map box on a DSLR to make it look big because my yeah. uh, my senior photo is with a camera and I didn't put a filter in it. So it's an empty map box. <laughs> See, even now I've thought about doing it because I don't want to pay for the full like four by fives. Yeah. But I, want a, I want a map box so people are like, oh, he's legit. Right. Yeah, just need the barn door shutters. You yeah. Know. Yeah, dude, it was so... <laughs> I hate that senior photo. Oh my gosh. Oh, I took, I took my own and I had like zero confidence. So I was sitting there like, well, so I didn't, I didn't take one. So I had to find one and it was just a whole mess. Why Florida? Why'd uh, you move there? I mean, other than the school, but why'd you choose to go there? Honestly, uh, it was March. I was applying senior year and I applied to a bunch of Northeastern schools that I either didn't get into or the ones I got into were kind of just eh, like University of Hartford. And I heard that was kind of ghetto. So <laughs> I didn't like any of them. And then it was about like halfway through March, like stuff needed to get done. I needed to, what is it called when you like tell them yes? Whatever it's called. Commit. Accept. Yeah, accept. Send the, there yeah, you go. Send the letter. And I realized I hated all of them. So I was playing Xbox with my friend and his friends who lived in Florida. And they're like, dude, check out Florida Atlantic University. Like that's right where we live. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I looked and went down there. And of course, when you're in Vermont, in like the end of winter like the mud season that we just got out of and then go to sunny south florida something you've never seen before it sells you right then and there so i applied got accepted like four days later and i was just like (laughs) i didn't put any thought into it i was just like yep sure good enough like i just want to be done with it and then i found myself there the first year like depressed and lonely i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know anyone there uh which eventually turned into something great but that's how I really ended up into living in Florida. And I realized that back to the business thing that we were talking about, small businesses and nobody, I guess I just didn't want to be limited. Like I wanted to have creative control, but with a market that's so small, like Vermont, you're kind of at the reins of 
your clients. And since there's so few clients, you kind of have to do what they have to say. Sure. Do you think you're going to stay down yep. there? No. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't, I don't like it. I want to move. Um, I have no idea where, cause I don't want it to be here. I don't want it to be there cause it's cheap. It's snooty. Everyone's either like trying to boast their money or you're somewhere where it's extremely like, it, there's a very fine line between rich and poverty and then like a little bit of a gray area, but I, I, I don't really like it that much. And I like landscape and adventure and cool weather and all of that. So I don't know exactly where I don't want to be basic and go out to LA. I feel like it's oversaturated, <laughs> but maybe somewhere in that Western Northwestern area or somewhere between Vermont and Florida. Yeah, <laughs> it's a so somewhere's west. I'm looking, somewhere's I'm looking Vermont, in Florida, the United States of America. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah they enough. the Options specificity. Are open. Um, yeah, well, don't go to LA. No. Um, LA is dying, mm-hmm. like like very quickly. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like the virus is speeding that up. Yeah. Where uh, the rich people are leaving because they're sick of it. Uh, it's too expensive. The whole, I mean. I, I, I question anyone who is trying to move to California right now, mm-hmm. honestly. I love visiting. Personally, I would, I would never want to live there. I would never want to live there. However, between Vermont and Florida is Atlanta and Nashville. Nashville, I loved. I went there. Um, Atlanta, I've driven through. So, so here's my thing with Atlanta. <laughs> I spent a day there. Uh-huh. Atlanta is becoming the new Hollywood very quickly. Really? I've oh my gosh, dude! Every Netflix movie is basically shot in Atlanta right now. All Stranger Things movies or movies, the Stranger Stranger <laughs> Things is <laughs> shot. Com- one. Stranger Things is completely shot in Atlanta. I didn't know that. Um, I never would have thought. Walking Atlanta Dead. Anything. Walking Dead was shot in Atlanta. Really. Um, yeah, I mean, it is, it, and Walking, Walking Dead's been shooting in Atlanta for years and years and years. They just can't freaking stop. So, um, Atlanta is very much on the come up. Nashville, I was just really impressed with Nashville. I really liked it there. I only spent, again, a day or so, but. Mm-hmm. I, I spent um, a few days, and it felt, at least the part that I was in, it felt very small town in a big city. Yeah, like every, absolutely. Everyone knew each other. Everyone scratched each other's backs. Mm. So, that was cool. Um. But yeah, I can't speak for Atlanta. Yeah. Nashville's known for music, you think? You think it's got some video roots there too? That was my initial thought um, going into it. I was like, there's so much music, there's probably not nearly as much video. So there needs to be someone to fill that empty like empty space. <laughs> to, to shoot the music videos. Yeah, but yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, it's still, I like it's very difficult to even look into it when you can't even get on a flight, let alone drive to the next state. Right yeah, now yeah, to fair explore. Enough. Well, so my, my biggest reason for saying Nashville is you're like a few hours from everywhere in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in Nashville, I think, I mean, the obvious perspective is there's plenty of music to shoot, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of people down there doing it. Um, but you're, you're kind of in a good location to all the big cities, right, mm-hmm. um, that do have those big film scenes. Mm-hmm. But, you know... I don't know. I would love to hear your perspective. Do you think you need to be in a big film city? Yes and no. Where I'm at, I don't think my 
vision or my mood or what I see in my head, I don't think South Florida is right for that. I think it's very fast-paced and rich and what's the right word for it? Conceptual, I guess, instead of like emotional, like really cool CGI stuff or whatever, or uh, I guess, I guess yeah. like videography versus cinematography. If that means anything to people, it's a lot of like video coverage rather than big scale production from what I've found. Because yeah. I haven't found anything that's big scale production there. Interesting. Um, I kind of just went off 50 different ways in one sentence. That's okay. But, no, but I, I get it because it's kind of like a, I, I think you went 50 different ways because the answer is, I don't think it matters. Personally, <laughs> I don't think it matters where you are, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have been blessed with the opportunity to travel all over the country. Um, I've only been out of the country once, actually now twice, but that was to Haiti. And then I went to Canada okay. once. Um, Canada's, I don't count Canada because I used to always go to Montreal. So yeah, I've not been out of the country. Yeah, I mean, don't count Canada then. But the only other place is Haiti, which is a heck mm-hmm. of a place to be. So, But anyway, um, we've driven across the country three times, I think, um, taking pretty much different routes, I think, most of the time. Um <laughs> So I've seen a lot of a lot of places and I love Vermont and I don't don't get me I don't, wrong. I love it, too. I don't know what it's going to take, but I want to live here mm-hmm. is my is my big thing is I want to live here. It's like everything on the West Coast is either a desert or too expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Oregon's really nice. I will say that Oregon is I've the West that. Coast of Vermont. Just saying. So you know. I, I went to Flagstaff, Arizona. Because I shot something out in like the um, Page, Arizona, which is like the Slot Canyons and Horseshoe Bend. I shot something out there in October. And Flagstaff is where I was staying. And it was really similar feeling to Vermont. It was high elevation, small town, uh, like craft breweries everywhere. And the very like artistic kind of feel. So that spoke to me a little bit. But I think just Vermont's a little bit too slow for me. I heard Boulder area, it's like that too. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard. Colorado's definitely like the west yeah. coast, Vermont. Yeah, Colorado's sweet. I really liked Colorado. Never but been. yeah, no, Vermont is slow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's definitely slow. Um, but for me, it has been... I'm so thankful that this is a place that I get to come home to after being out somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I have a lot of my shoots, again, in, in neighboring states, a lot in New Hampshire, a lot in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, um, New York, stuff like that. And maybe it's because I grew up here, but I love being able to come home to that where it's like chill and it's slow. And it's not like, you know, I can kind of, I don't know. For me, I feel like I work at a good pace, you know, um, mm-hmm. but it's not hard to relax either, you know. And I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that about living here. Not to mention, I mean, there's not a state that looks like Vermont anywhere. There just yeah. isn't. It's very unique. Yeah. It's crazy. Even just going across the pond to New York, it's <clears throat> New York's like flat. Yeah. It's amazing. They're across the river to New Hampshire. Entirely different. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I got a good I got a good question here. Um how do you find uh creativity or how do you um, you know, maybe when you aren't feeling creative. That is actually a really good question. Uh, do we both want to answer it? Is it for me? Is it for Cam? 
Yeah, it's for you. Go well, for it. you're the um, guest here, so. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you're right. So I'll take the answer, or I'll take the question. Um, <laughs> a lot of the times, I mean, I'm always stumped, and lately I'm really stumped because it's you get back to that whole discouraging thing of comparing and whatever. But there, I found myself stumped a lot, and sometimes all oh, it takes just being alone. And that's, I think, where I dive into my head and my emotion and what I see and feel and kind of want to bring out. And either I'll listen to music alone, whether it's like orchestra, classical music, or a lot of, a lot of the time just say instrumental stuff, words without, or songs without words, and just sit and think and see like where my head goes and what I envision and try to just pick from that. And a lot of the times... Um, I'll see one thing and then everything just starts going. And I remember there's mm-hmm. one thing that I still, I was listening to one song and immediately I pictured like this high budget video, which I, I just have it in a notebook somewhere, but I saw it and then I grabbed a notebook and I just started going like warp speed and it all like just flooded out. So a lot of the times I'll just spend my time alone and in my head and use maybe one thing as inspiration but try to avoid watching other people's stuff and hmm. looking out at uh, like different projects and try to take from that and more so just take from because I, I i know that i've got thoughts and vision but sometimes it just doesn't want to come out yeah it's interesting you say that because i whenever i make music videos because a lot of my music videos are covers i've only done one original at this point mm-hmm. um I'll, I, re, I will never watch the original music video first. Mm-hmm. Or else you'll subconsciously just do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's so hard not to at the same time. Because you want to. Because you have nothing. You have a clean slate. Right. But then again, some of... I feel like a lot of good things have come from me not jumping to conclusions and... and mm-hmm. And starting with a clean slate, especially for music yeah. videos, is, is a lot of fun because the thing with music, for instance, you know, is it can be interpreted so many different ways, you know. It's kind of fun. I know exactly what you mean. I don't yeah. really have anything else on, like, my list of things other than uh, I want to know where you're headed. Like, where are you, where, where, what do you want to accomplish, you know, in this crazy life of, you know, this wanna... post-corona world? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to do big, bigger budget stuff. I really want to be able to have the ability to work on bigger productions and get what I've got out in my head because I've got like Hollywood level thoughts in my head, but $300 music video budget. So it's tough. So I want to build <laughs> on getting clients that like appreciate the work that I can do and are willing to kind of gamble that and make that risk in uh, investment. And me more often to be able to make bigger, bigger projects, whether I'm DPing or having or doing it all or uh, I don't know, just bigger budget. That's that's where I'm thinking. Hey, telling you, dude, start at the top, start at the yeah. top for nothing. <laughs> I'm I, I'm like, I, I'm so I think it's genius, you know. Have you had success doing that yet, Cam? Well, I, I said earlier, I haven't done it yet, but I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. It sounds like a great <laughs> it's idea. It's a great because idea. Because the, the status quo is start at the bottom, work your way up. But if you start at the True. top and build credibility, you can almost start in the middle. 
you know, yeah, and start exactly. cranking. Yeah, it raises the lower bar. All right, well, just give you a bit of a heads. You could be the you could be the guinea pig, and then let me know how it works. Yeah. And name a company. <laughs> what company should I go after? Name one. Oh, what if we had a challenge? To, oh, to, to oh yeah, yeah, yes. Spec commercial challenge. Yeah, we could all we could all either go for one and see who who makes it better. Oh, shouldn't do that. We're different. <laughs> or we could fields. do a different brand. <laughs> and yeah. See who does what with each brand. Like well, something like this. in the same. That'd be one fun. of my dreams is to do a shoot for Red Bull, and one of my dreams is to to do a, sh- a shoot for um, Kawasaki because I've been riding dirt bikes forever and I've been riding Kawasaki's. All Those right, are my well, two big name companies that I'd love to work with. Then should we stick to? I, I don't know if we want to do that challenge. Someone name it. Let's I came do up it. with it. You guys, you guys come up with like the genre or the level or whatever of brand. I, I say we should just probably do it just for the well-being of ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but let's... Uh, <laughs> It'd be a fun project. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think it sounds like it'll work. Go against what everybody else is doing and just start at the top and make your way for the middle. So... Okay. Um, I don't know. It sounds like a good theory to me. And I was it was told to me by somebody significantly more intelligent than myself. So um, I, I take that to heart. I feel like it works too. It makes yeah. sense, but it's a different perspective. So... It is a different perspective, and I think that's the secret. But um, so, in order to think about who you should target, should you think about who you actually want to shoot for, and then figure out who their higher competitor or mentor above them might be? I think that would be, be my good. thought. Yeah, yeah, it would be my thought. Unless, like for me, I look at Red Bull. I'm like, yeah, that may be completely not achievable ever. So I might want to just start with them. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, it, I don't know. But maybe that's me selling myself short, you know, or not. Yeah, so. I mean, I think Red Bull does all the right things when it comes to their marketing and content creating. I think No, you it. know who does the right things, dude? Well, yes, Red Bull, but Yeti Coolers. Really? I, I don't know why oh I haven't seen much. I haven't you, seen much. They, I want to be the Yeti Coolers of, of filmmaking companies. <laughs> like, okay. Yeti puts out the most incredible, cinematic, beautiful, like, I bought a Yeti because of it. I don't fall for that crap. (laughs) I don't fall for advertising. But real quick, let me tell you what they do. None of it, of course, is advertising. Like, they'll go out and make, like, the dopest fishing video ever. I don't care about fishing, but I love the video. And they just, yeah. again, like we were talking about earlier, there might be a cooler in the in the boat, mm-hmm. and then they put their logo at the end. It mm-hmm. is awesome. I'll send you a couple after this. Kind of kind of <laughs> backtracking a little bit. Have you seen the Aviation Gin commercials with, uh, what's his name? Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. I have seen it's, one, uh, yes. You have seen, they're, the, they're beautifully crafted, like so cinematic, so amazing. But the story of it is stuff so ridiculous that you can only laugh. Like, it's still promoting yeah. Aviation Gin. But there was one, and there's better ones, but this is the one that I can remember. It was some really old lady. She had to have been, like, 80 or something. And it was a voiceover. Like, this is Deborah, whatever. Uh, she was born in a leap year, blah, blah, blah. And she's finally 21. And she's <laughs> celebrating her 21st birthday with nothing better than av- Aviation Gin. And it's like throwing it in your face, but with a story that's just humorous. So, like, you laugh at it all, but at the end of the day, the job is done, and you're stuck with this memory of, like, aviation gin and something being funny. But it's adding to the humor is 
the extremely cinematic video or, or, or commercial. Also, and that's Jack, that's Ryan Reynolds' company, right? Yeah. Which is just he, even better. <laughs> and he was like, one of them, or I think all of them, he's like, an American gin. And then he, at the end, he's like, owned by a Canadian. Because apparently he's Canadian. <laughs> so it's, huh. it's very humorous. I'd say check it out. Yeah, he's um, a man. But if we want to dive into this challenge, I mean, should we just aim for the top of whatever we want to do or stick to like a genre or a timeline or whatever? Like, I don't know. It just kind of came out and now here we are. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, dude, let's just, let's figure that out and we can make a follow-up video to the podcast of okay. of our plan yeah, on, and all, on how all we're going to do it. Share. And this could be okay. a good little YouTube series. I think we just came up with a YouTube That's series. Sweet. That sounds awesome. The race to being millionaires. No, <laughs> no, jeez, that's a long YouTube series. <laughs> <laughs> probably, you're probably true. Started yeah. here on Zoom. Uh, I got a head start if I sell the camera. Um, that's cheating. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> dude, I mean, I think we've covered a lot. I think we've covered, yeah. you know, who you are, where you've been, and where you're going. Um, and thank you for between. doing this. Thank you guys. Uh, I, you I know, hopefully, I can do it all day. Yeah, hopefully next time we are in person in the studio here. That would be awesome. I can't wait until this corona crap is over. To share the results yeah. of this challenge that I you will hear Cam, about. I remember it had to have been three years ago, ice skating. And he was like, oh I'm my making, gosh, that did happen. He was like, I, make, I just started making this studio and I was back and forth from Florida, mainly in Florida. So I was like, damn, I'd love to see that. But it, I still haven't seen it. Like I, I heard him talk about it in the beginning, and you still haven't progress, been here. I still have not been there. Well, bring me the f- hand deliver the footage to me. All right? hand deliver <laughs> as my suit and all. Yeah, and... we'll keep our six feet, and it'll be great. But yeah, I definitely want to see it. Yeah, dude, this is where we. Well, we shoot the podcast over here, but you know, mm-hmm. Roni. So. Oh, by the way, I did the lazy way out and didn't shoot it and log. So I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'll get over it's just it. Normal. It's going to be exported at like 10 megabytes a second, so it's fine. <laughs> oh, okay, perfect. <laughs> Anyhow. Um, but All cool. Right. I'm f- Mo- most importantly, how can people find you, your work? How can they follow you? How can they uh, see what you've done and uh, or, or work with you on the, on your can, next big can project? Can we put this in like really bold letters with loud sound, sound effects right at the beginning and plug myself? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like explosions yeah. and the horns and everything? No, but... um. My, if you didn't shoot clip. and log, I'm not putting in explosions. Hold on, let me let's run it back real quick. Remember, I'll change the settings. Remember what you said. Um, no, but uh, my Instagram most easily uh, found. My Instagram handle is just at Brady Bissett, B R A D Y B E S S E T T E. Website is bradybissett.com. Spelt the same way. YouTube is Brady Bissett. It's pretty much uh, the same all throughout. Uh, that's where you can find Got me. the handle. Well, cool, man. Dude, thank you so much for doing this. And uh, I guess we have a challenge ahead of us. Yes, we'll talk about it. Set up a group chat or something where we can find out the details. Right on. And let's see come up with the details. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Exactly. laughs> All right. Peace out, brother. All right. See you guys.